From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Yeah. Owl, Al Ramsey, here uh, with us as well. And uh, great, great praise to uh, to start off this broadcast. Uh, a couple hours earlier today, a, a tragic situation here in the uh, Modesto, California area, about a week ago. A four-year-old who was out with her family was hit by a car at uh, one of those big box places. And uh, four-year-old survived and, and went a couple days and, and then uh, began to, to uh, seem like she was a little bit ill, sick to her stomach, and taken to a, a major hospital in the Bay Area, came back, and, and everything looked okay. And uh, on the day of the birthday of her twin brothers, uh, she was discovered uh, to be dead upstairs in, uh, upstairs in their home this morning. Uh, very tough day, and, and the mom uh, is, is really trying to hold things together. Uh, she has uh, three children she needs to take care of, and uh, it's just a very, very difficult situation. Desperately needed her stroller to be replaced, and it's uh, not your common one. It's for twins. And uh, so I, we asked her uh, today as, as we went out to provide comfort for the family, what, what would help you today? And she says, you know, if you, if you could just find me another twin stroller, that would be great. So we put the word out, and, and God bless Lindy. Yes. Uh, Lindy saw us on Facebook. And, I, you know, I just I'm thinking... You know, they had to drag this old dog into that Facebook thing. I mean, I, I resisted that for a, for a long time, but look how God used yes. that social media today in a very powerful way. It was less than an hour, I think. She just left. Just left here. Yeah. And, and, uh, bless this family, not only with, a stroller, but with uh, some extra food as well and, and, uh, and a financial blessing too. So thank you, Lindy, thank you. for responding uh, to Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself. What a, what a neat thing. And uh, we look forward to uh, blessing that uh, family. Well, I, let's get on with it. Let's we have lots of, lots of great yeah. people. To, uh, these are not people new to you here on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network, but they've got a new thing that they're doing, answering God's call. Uh, heading uh, to a new continent uh, to minister. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. Right now, here's Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with another story of a Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. 
In Somalia, Nurta Mohammed Farah, a 17-year-old girl raised Muslim, converts to Christianity. Her parents try several methods to cure what they say is a mental illness. Confinement, medication, shackling her to a tree, beatings. Finally, Nurta flees the region. On November 25, two unidentified men believed to be her relatives track her down and shoot her in the chest and head. It's called an honor killing because Nurta had disgraced her family. There's no honor in that murder. The honor is ours to acknowledge that kind of faith and courage. For more, go online to persecution.com. You know, friends, we've been studying uh, the Apostle Paul of late here at ABC and, and the Serving Church Fellowship, and w- one of the hallmarks uh, of that study is the realization that when Jesus said, you need to take up your cross and follow me, we need to take up our cross and, and follow him at, at times. And uh, life is not always the way that we would like it, and the tremendous sacrifices being made around the world for the cause of Christ to encourage increase the kingdom here on earth and to increase the number of uh, people who will spend their eternity with the Lord. But it does come at a cost, and we never know what uh, what God is going to ask us to do. And so we ask you to please, as Scripture tells us, to keep our brothers and sisters uh, in prayer who are persecuted around the world. Just a reminder, if you're local here in the uh, Stanislaus County area, the Modesto area, we have a way that you can bless us at AVC. You know what? Uh, We do our mission, and we're kind of one of the best-kept secrets in town around here, which is okay with us because Jesus said to do your works of service in a quiet way. The only downside of that is when it comes to paying the bills here, and nobody knows who you are, you know. And so, but anyway, we rely on God to take care of that. But here, here's a a partner agency, one of the 95 plus agencies that we work with on a daily basis, has decided to bless advancing vibrant communities with a uh, special fundraiser on July 20th. As you know, if you live in the Modesto area, we're going to be electing a new mayor. Uh, coming up, uh, Jim Reidenauer has been our mayor for uh, some time, and he's going to retire. He's tired. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And uh, he has done such a wonderful job, a godly man, and, and he really has stood firm and, and been very wise. But his tenure is ending, so we're going to be electing a new mayor. And uh, at this luncheon on July 20th, you'll have the opportunity to hear the candidates for mayor, and they will be talking about their vision for the city, where they see it going, and why you should elect them. And uh, so the tickets to that event are $20 apiece, and you will be served a wonderful homemade barbecue lunch. One of our friends, Greg Trippy, is going to be there, and Greg has a new ministry called Second to Mom. Second mm. to Mom, and it's a catering ministry, and <laughs> and he, he's really cooking with that one. Sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> You're not. Yeah. Good. Anyway, Greg will be there with the barbecue and uh, blessing you with food. And again, tickets are twenty dollars a piece. That's Wednesday, July twentieth, eleven thirty to one thirty. It'll be at a beautiful venue, Vintage Gardens, at uh, on, on Dale Road in Modesto. Just a beautiful place. It'll be outdoors, and there's nice tents that we'll be under. And uh, So anyway, we encourage you to uh, to maybe take advantage of that to join us. Again, $20 a person. If you'd like more information, give us a call, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Now let's check in with our friend Brad Dacus. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, 
the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. The California legislature is in cahoots with the pharmaceutical companies to deceive young girls and their parents. Assembly Bill 499 seeks to allow minor girls over 12 access to the vaccine for human papilloma virus without parental knowledge. Well, Pacific Justice Institute considers this another assault on parental rights and is urging legislators to vote against AB 499. The real deception is that the availability of the HPV vaccine, abortion, and birth control gives young girls license to be prematurely sexually active with no fear of the consequences. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you at Lighthouse Live. Take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way's Linda Hand List. And then we've got some wonderful guests to introduce you to uh, this evening. Uh, the 13th annual, make that the 137th annual a few numbers off there. The 4th of July Parade Celebration, sponsored by the City of Modesto. You know, since 1874, the City of Modesto has celebrated the 4th of July with a parade through downtown. In fact, the Modesto event is the longest. Did you guys know this? Listen up. It's going to be a test after this. <laughs> the longest-running independent state parade in all of California. Thousands of spectators will enjoy this year's Star-Spangled Banner, and you can show your patriotic spirit and celebrate the community at this year's event by volunteering. Hey, how about that? Approximately 60 volunteers are needed to help out with this year's event. Volunteers are needed to help with the parade setup, uh, the strategic placement of floats in the staging area. We know about that through our uh, experience at the Christmas parade, the route marshals, security barricades, and road closures. You must be at least 18 years of age, able to stand for long periods of time, and be available between 8 and 1. Uh, come for a few hours or stay the entire event. Flexible shifts are available. If you're interested in this, contact the Modesto Kiwanis Club as soon as possible to sign up for this special opportunity. Uh, the volunteer director is Richard Boschetti, and Richard can be reached at 925-998-5187. Again, Richard's phone number is 925-998-5187. And uh, just sign up. And they, you want to do this quickly, though, because the deadline for sign-ups for that is for tomorrow. So you want to get in on that opportunity. Also, the community hospice uh, is having their trucking for hospice, inviting bikers, car enthusiasts, and truckers to rev it up to raise funds for community hospice. And uh, that's a great organization. We thoroughly endorse your volunteerism in that as well. And Riverbank Trojans, where you can share your love of football and knowledge of the game with boys and girls. Adult volunteers, 18 and older, needed to coach and condition young football players or cheerleaders, uh, as the case may be, for games and competitions. Youth volunteers uh, from 15 to 17 years also needed to help out with coaching. Volunteers mentor as needed and help out in development via leadership by example. Adult volunteers with first responder certificates are also needed to act as field medic first responders for injured players at practices and home games. Practices are held weekday evenings and Saturdays, depending on the level coached beginning July 11th 
through November 19th, and that's at Castleburg Park in Riverbank, and home games take place at Riverbank High School. Although a good understanding of the game and sharing experience is valued, it's not necessary, so you might want to take part in that. West Modesto Learning Center, where you can take your love of gardening to the next level while helping the community. I just might get in on this. I've got a little garden you're, of my you're, own. You're growing. doing well with that I garden, aren't you? I am doing yeah. well with it. I'm growing squash and tomatoes and corn wow. and spinach and all kinds of things. I'm growing weeds. <laughs> Titanic weeds, no, no less. That's that's crazy. No, I didn't say weed. I said weeds. Weeds. Yeah, weeds. Yeah, weeds. Yes, yes. Just want to clarify I'm that. glad you did because we get into trouble when I'm you see cards and letters about that weed. I hate it when that happens. I hate I it too. But anyway, you want to get in on the proper weeds or... Gardening is titanium weeds. Titanium. I know how to grow those. Yes. Were you trying to get through that? Uh, We will. And if if you want to get in on Mike's kind of gardening, you can address those letters to him. But if you want to get in on this West Modesto Learning Center, it's operated by the West Modesto King Kennedy Neighborhood Collaborative, and it's a learning center. It's a six-acre semi-urban farm located in series to provide affordable and healthy food at the West Modesto Farmer's Market. This is really cool. Mm -hmm. And a community-supported agricultural vegetable basket subscription program beginning in August. This is really cool. It's non-carnivorous. No, anyway, we won't go there either. This unique opportunity to work in sustainable agriculture and subscription program is available throughout the year. Working with farm manager volunteers ages 18 years and older will plant, maintain, harvest, and market fruit and vegetable gardens and crops. And it's all about building an understanding of the diverse groups so that lasting relationships can be established. And that's just a really cool thing. So if you want to get in on any of these opportunities or you might have questions, you want to inquire more, call Barbara Borba. She's the queen of this volunteer center. She can be reached at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, that's 209-524-1307, extension 113. And we here at AVC have been busy as bees in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) this garden stuff we need beds and all sizes twin beds full beds queen size beds you name it we have people literally uh, adults and children alike sleeping on the floors and we would like to provide beds for these uh, families and if you have beds to donate you can give us a call at 209-544-9571 and we will make sure that those beds get to the homes where they are needed Also, uh, other household items, including sofas, refrigerators, also another big need. We would ask that those refrigerators are in good working condition, that they have all the parts where they need to be, and uh, um, we will make sure that they get to where they need to go. Well, it's been a while since uh, the Kelgards, Eric, Lisa, and Stephen have been with us, but we want to welcome them back to Lighthouse Live with us and I'll tell you what, uh, we know you guys have been uh, very, very busy yesterday. No, 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 make that Saturday was an important day for you guys. Was it not a fundraiser? And and Eric, uh, let us, you guys want to fill us in on all the details. Lisa, you've just been busy as you can be, I know. We'd be happy to share about it. It was a wonderfully great day. And uh, Lisa and my daughter, Kate, who's 15, really spearhead the entire event, and uh, so I'd like Lisa to share a bit about it because it uh, is one of those great things that takes a lot of time to prepare for, a lot of coordination, a lot of organization, 
a lot of late nights and it comes and goes quickly. <laughs> um, and then it's all over with, but it's a great, great day and God was glorified throughout it. But and a great, great cause. The reason for this big thing was... So about five years ago, we decided to have a carnival on our ranch and it's the Riverbend Ranch Charity Carnival. Website is www.carnivalforcharity.com. Mm-hmm. And we decided as a family um, that we just were looking for a project to do. Um, wanted a chance for our eight kids to dig in and get um, their hands dirty and their backs sore, actually physically working <laughs> to help God's people. <laughs> and so um, it kind of came out of some, some just selfish fun initially. I grew up in a great little community near Outwater called McSwain that had a great fall carnival every year. Mm-hmm. And we were just sitting around one day and I said, you know, our kids have never gotten to go to a carnival with the old fashioned cakewalks and fish pond game where you throw your clothespin over the curtain and get a toy attached to it and that kind of old-fashioned mm. carnival. So we should have a carnival. I always got a rock. <laughs> How did that work? At you least it wasn't cool. It wasn't yeah. cool. No. If you come to our carnival, I won't give you oh, a rock. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then it kind of just grew from there, and we decided to do it um, to raise funds for something, and um, along with God and Eric's leadership, um, picked James 127 as our guiding verse and have always picked a ministry that's serving widows or orphans mm-hmm. um, as who would receive the funds from that year's charity, uh, charity carnival. So the kids always pick that ministry because they outnumber us greatly. <laughs> and there have been years where they've picked a ministry we haven't wanted them to pick. And um, But in, in that rare occasion, we let democracy take place in our family. <laughs> so the first year we raised $4,000 for an orphanage wow. in Liberia. Um, there are some friends that adopted um, some kids um, from, and we were able to, to send a container of supplies over to that orphanage in Liberia. And as that carnival wound down that day, my dad said that some friends of his had decided to match whatever we raised that day. Mm, And so we were able to donate $8,000 that year. So the second year, we actually um, supported someone near and dear to um, ABC themselves. And that was the year that Eric Davis went to be with the Lord. Yes. And uh, the carnival that year went to help his his children Mm. through the educational fund that their church was um, organizing for that. And that year we were able to donate almost $17,000 to that educational fund. You know, speaking of Eric, I don't, if it hadn't been for Eric, I don't know if we would have met you guys quite no, this that's way. Right. You know, yeah. That's just, how we, we learned just, about ABC. We just thank mm-hmm. God for Eric Davis and we Amen. speak of him often. Yes, Absolutely. And um, it's just grown from there. So um, the next year we supported another ministry that you guys are familiar with, and that's Agape Children's Ministry oh, yes. based yes. here in Modesto and also at an orphanage in Liberia. And that year we were able to donate $10,000 to each of those ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year the funds went to a ministry in Ethiopia that was rescuing babies that were um, being drowned due, due to some tribal superstition. Mm-hmm. That was a really tragic, um, yeah. um, just horrible legacy happening in a village there and some group, a group of people that were helping rescue those babies. So we were able to donate about $22,000 to them last year. Amen. So it's just continued to grow when this group of men has, has faithfully sponsored and and matched what we have raised each year. So this past Saturday, we raised about $12,000 at the carnival, and the first 10000 of that is matched. Awesome. And so this year, that's going to, again, back to Agape Children's Ministry, but for a different purpose. Awesome, awesome. Lisa, yeah. Eric, Stephen, God is doing some amazing things through you guys. Yes. And, and let, well, let's go into what that purpose is this year. Stephen? Um, well, uh, our family of 10 is moving to Kenya, Africa. Wow. Oh, amazing. Wow. And give us the genesis of this. How, how did how did God put this on your hearts to, to head for Kenya? 
it took God a long time. Well, it, 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 maybe I should say it didn't take him so long. It took, took me a long time to listen. Maybe that's a more appropriate response. But, uh, no, I love hearing Lisa share because God put on her heart, um, as a teenager to go Mm -hmm. to Africa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she was in a great church with a great, uh, youth leader, uh, who had a huge missions heart. And, uh, she desired to go. And what happened when you kept saying you wanted to go? (laughs) My youth pastor, when I was 16, finally told me, Lisa, someday God may let you go to Africa. But until then, you need to stop talking about it because you're not honoring your dad. (laughs) He's having a heart attack every time you tell him you're moving to Africa. (laughs) And and we um, have, have always had a heart for reaching out to kids. Lisa and I have been involved in trying to help children through youth ministry and outreach, um, me more in my adult life coming to, coming to the Lord at age of, uh, 21, 22. And, uh, we've always just naturally done things desiring to help children. And a number of years ago we decided, well, we want to go overseas and take our children overseas and give them that opportunity to see what life is like in another part of the world. Um, maybe spend as long as a year living overseas and come back. And we looked at a few places and God looked like he was opening doors and closing doors. And then through our work with the carnival, we were exposed to Agape Children's Ministry and what was happening there. And uh, the beautiful and wonderful directors, Blake and Esther Gibbs there, um, who we fell in love with so quickly, you know, shared, you know, we'd be happy to have your family of 10 come live with us in Africa and minister and serve with us. And and that's an invitation that families of 10 don't get very often. And so we were very intrigued by that and began seeing if the Lord would really make that happen. We well, you know just a few short weeks ago, Steve and Diane Warren were here and they spoke very highly of you guys. They just can't wait till you guys get there. And they got, they actually were at our carnival this Saturday. Were they, oh, is that right? they got to run that agape oh, great, booth for us great. and tell lots of people about what they're doing in Kenya. And we are, Equally excited to be able to live on the same property with them and learn from them for the months that we'll be there in Kenya. Now, Stephen, how how old were you when when this state fair in your backyard got got started? Right. <laughs> well, uh, eight. I would have been eight. Eight uh, years old. Started. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I remember the first one and just standing there and when it was going on and just saying, "Wow, my family's crazy." <laughs> <laughs> Did, did you actually say that out loud? Uh, not out loud, but I was definitely thinking. <laughs> you were that. definitely thinking it, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. isn't it amazing what God uses? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's just grown, like my mom said, and uh, I've been amazed every year of how well the community surrounded us with our uh, vision and come and helped. Mm. helped. Mm. I think that's been one of the most amazing things is every year at the carnival to sit there stand there before the general public arrives and look at the sea of friends and um, family members that have joined our vision. I think this year there were probably 80 or 90 people there that were there to volunteer before the doors ever opened, the gates ever opened, and to just say, you know, that our family could say, hey, we want to have a carnival, and that people would rally around us and come to help and thank us for letting them help um, is a humbling thing to see people want to join in on our vision and we definitely could not run that we could run a few booths with our family of 10 <laughs> but there's no way we could put on the event we put on without mm. an awful lot of people and, joining in and every year after the carnival is over they would be saying sign us up for next year without even knowing what who they might be serving where the money might be going what ministry might be selected they just saw a natural opportunity to serve 
and love people, and they loved being able to do that, and they just always wanted to come back, and, and that is why the number of volunteers have grown every year, in addition to the fact that we've made new friends, and, and those people have wanted to come alongside, and, and we've talked about the fact that as much as it might look like they're helping us or or serving with us, they're really serving the Lord, mm. and that's the exciting aspect of what they're doing. That really has to bless your hearts. Let's talk a little bit about, and, and you know, Steve and Diane Warren were, were here a, a few weeks ago, but let's re- review for those who may not have heard that broadcast what Agape Ministry is doing with uh, street children in, in Africa and, and what you'll be involved with specifically. We'll be moving to Kasumu, Kenya. Kenya. We'll be leaving uh, the United States on December 9th, and we're going to be working um, alongside the uh, missionaries who were there with uh, Blake and Esther, and we're going to be fitting into various different aspects of the ministry um, of Agape as we see need and find opportunity. And one of those areas that Lisa and I have been really drawn to is is the reintegration arm of Agape. And uh, as Steve and Diane probably shared, um, there are four aspects of the mission and, and work of Agape, um, rescuing, redeeming, uh, Rehabilitating. Rehabilitating and reintegrating. And uh, Lisa and I uh, just loved the time that we got to spend with the uh, men uh, that are involved in the ministry of reintegrating the street boys back to their homes. Mm-hmm. And um, and Lisa was able to really get involved in a big way really fast just from our short time in Kenya, uh, even with some girls um, that were there. Would you share about that, honey, without crying? <laughs> Agape in Kenya has found great favor with the Remand Center, which is the juvenile detention center there in Kenya. And the director there has really given an open door to Agape to come in and minister as they would like. And so there's a presence almost daily of of Kenyan um, staff members from Agape that go into this juvenile detention center. Um, once a week, they're able to share a Bible lesson and worship with the kids that are there. Um, but daily are there just, just meeting the kids, finding out their stories, and um, very often are able to rescue um, boys out of that center and bring them to Agape. Um, some boys were even able to meet there and take directly home, find their stories and, and see that. And Agape has kind of stepped in and, and acted as social workers there. And the government has just shown great favor in allowing us to go in and get a lot of boys out of that system. But as we were there, and my daughter Kate, who was 15, had traveled to Kenya with us, there were a number of girls in that center who um, came up to us afterwards just pleading with us to help them and said, your people always come here and help the boys, but mm. nobody is helping the girls. Wow. And, um, you know, we were newcomers and visitors, and we really didn't know <laughs> what was happening. And so we just said, well, we'll ask. Um, and so that night as we had dinner with Blake and Esther, I, you know, said, what, what's going on with the girls and they said, you should check with the staff members. And the next day as we traveled with, with these pastors who do this amazing reintegration work, I said, John, Ted, tell us about the girls. It seems hopeless for them. Who is helping the girls? And they said, um, no one mm. is helping the girls. Mm-hmm. We have a facility there that houses 90 boys and for obvious reasons can't bring young girls onto the same campus. And so we really just don't have the facilities there. So my assumption was, you know, most of these kids are in the remand center because they were street kids and they were swept off the street. So my assumption was they'd be released when they were 18. When they were no longer children, they would they would be released. And I was quickly corrected that, no, they are prisoners and they will be transferred to an adult facility and they will remain prisoners um, as they grow. 
So that is obviously, you know, incredibly tragic. And especially this one young girl came to me. Her English was impeccable. English is the national language. School curriculum is in English, which makes it easy for us to go there for a short period of time. But she said, you know, I came to the city with my sister. She begged me to run away with her. As soon as we got to the city, she left me. I've been in the center for four years. No one is helping me. I have a family. I want to go home. Can't you help me? Mm. So um, we then asked, you know, what what can we do to help the girls? And in short, it was we probably need to hire a female um, staff member who can meet with these girls and travel with the girls. And so I asked how much that would cost. And Blake said, well, it would probably be $150 a month. Mm. And we said, okay. So I just had a birthday last week, and I got an email from Blake, the best birthday present I ever got. But since we were there in October, 20 girls have been safely returned. Wow. Wow. So so really great. And our daughter Kate's heart is really there with those girls. And as we look at traveling and what we'll be doing when we're there, her full desire is to spend as much time in the Romance Center as she can and to to have a Bible study there with those girls and get to know as many of them as as she can. But um, we're really excited about what God has opened up there and what may happen in the future with those girls. How could you not be excited? Excited hearing something like that. That is just wonderful, Lisa. Stephen, what do you hope to do in Kenya? Well, uh, I'm a uh, new guitar player, so Uh I'm hoping to uh, (laughs) take music over to Kenya. And uh, just they're beautiful singers over there. Mm. Uh, A lot of the children just have amazing voices that only I could wish for. Mm. And so uh, I hope that we'll be able to somehow figure out a way that I can play guitar and not be overpowered by their beautiful voices. So, uh, yeah. Wonderful. Well, and your brother, does he, does he have this musical inclination? Uh, my older brother, Nicholas, he plays violin, but he is uh, he has more of the brains of the family. So, wow. So uh, he'll be teaching them how to uh, debate, and which is pretty much arguing in suits. Cool. Well, My parents can uh, elaborate about that. Yes, the, the uh, Agape School already has a, a debate program for the street boys there at the school on the campus. And uh, Nick has participated uh, locally with uh, Mike and Mary Winther in the Modesto debate <gasps> yes. program here. Oh, right and, on. And, um, has has done well and and we want to give back. He wants to give back in that way, so he wants to be involved in teaching speech and debate uh, and what he's learned here uh, to the to the children there and and see what they can teach him too. Very very cool. Well, you all have something very very good to do while you're there, and I'm so glad that you're into music, Stephen. Speaking of which, the group New Song sings a song especially for the Kelt Guards this week, tailor-made just for you. It's entitled Got Me Going here on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back right after this.
Stephen, I am convinced they wrote that song for you. <laughs> That's new song. Got you going around the world there, dude. You bet. You're on Lighthouse Live with Eric, Lisa, and Stephen Kelgard tonight. And we are so glad that you've joined us, dear friends, wherever you happen to be. You know, I think one of the unique uh, things uh, about you, Eric, and, and your family is that you actually take Jesus at his word, that we're to love God with everything we have and love our neighbors as ourselves and uh, with, with what we have. And uh, here you took what you had and uh, with a little idea created this uh, carnival. And God has just multiplied that in, in incredible, incredible ways. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what, what it means just to be available and to listen and to respond to what God has to say to us when, uh, when he's ready. That's a hard one. It's hard uh, listening because it's really easy to close off our ears when things are going really well for us and uh, our job is good and um, we've, we've got a comfortable income coming in and, uh, you know, we find ways to help and serve and God calls different people to do different things at different times and we have seasons in our life where I think sometimes we're called to give more and sometimes we do a little less, but but I think the commandment is still to do. It's still to give. It's still to participate. And um, I'm blessed because one of the things I've learned is that, um, like all good husbands, that, that God speaks through our wives, too. Amen. And uh, we need to make sure that we're listening uh, to them and, and, and what they're sharing with us. But I just think that... Uh, what happened with us is as I shared, everything was going really well. And Lisa and I knew that we wanted to do something, but it's making that yourself available and just getting to the point where you can say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever that sacrifice might mean. And normally for us in the United States, it, it might be something um, physical or it might be monetary or it might be something that really in, in, in God's commodities really isn't sacrificed very much at all. But um, but it seems like a whole lot to us. And for us, it was um, sacrificing um, my work and saying we're going to go ahead and put this on hold. And initially, as we shared, it was it was going to be for a year. We wanted to take the family away for a year. And um, and I was one of those those people who I grew up in Southern California. I heard Spanish all the time, and I just figured if I was going to go anywhere, I was going to go some to some Spanish-speaking country. <laughs> that's where that's what God had been preparing me for. Uh, and uh, and and I had a wife who always had a heart for Africa, mm -hmm. and I always said, God, I don't understand your plans in Africa. I'd be happy to go anywhere but Africa. <laughs> and um, so that I am exactly what happens when you tell that to God. Um, <laughs> He will send you. He will. He will grab you. He will tweak your heart. And when Lisa and I and our daughter Kate went in September, um, I went uh, with open eyes um, and really looking to see what God was doing there. Um, I knew He was working, but I wanted to see what He was doing there. Wanted to see how He could use us, and um, was going as a real support to Lisa because I knew this had been a passion of hers for 25 years yeah. to really go to Africa. And uh, getting there and seeing everything that was going on, and and I finally had, or let me say, I finally listened to what God was talking to me about and telling me and pulling for me. And um, Lisa shares uh, a little bit about that as well, and just about how sometimes uh, it it seemed like I was going for Lisa. 
initially when we left on the trip. And I think as God has um, moved us along, and not only are we going to take our family there for nearly a year, but when we come back, we'll be still um, full-time missionaries with Agape, but based here in Modesto out of their offices, which is a huge radical change from what Eric was thinking. I and mean, he thought we would go for a year and he would go back to his comfortable job and, and comfortable paycheck. And, um, and that's a big change. But he, I like to say he went to Kenya because he loves me. But we're going back, and he's making a big shift because he loves our God. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to sit um, in Kenya and listen to him preach to 150 boys that came right off the street one day in the outreach center that Stephen Diane Warren ran, and to see um, him just share his heart um, for the Lord, which just overflows um, with the knowledge of God's grace for us, and, and to watch him imploring the boys to understand what God's heart was for them. Um, I knew he wasn't there for me any longer, you know, that God had called him on his own. So that was pretty exciting to see and a, and a huge change. But it was also um, a process, definitely, of getting there. And and I'm not um, – I wish that my faith was, was stronger sometimes and, and that I my faith was was – was stronger than my mouth, but sometimes my mouth gets in the way and I say a little bit that I'm more than I should before God takes over. And, and, um, and we had some hard conversations, you know, where I felt like, um, you know, this is, this is where I feel God wants me to be and you're not here. And I don't know what to do with that. You know, mm-hmm. you know, listening to you speak of this process reminds me of Richard Stern's is sharing his mm-hmm. process and mm-hmm. the book he wrote whole in our Very gospel. Much. And actually, yes. in fact, our daughter Katie just gave a, a competitive speech all year and based on that book. Yeah. And wow. That was incredible. Um, and, and absolutely, um, yes. a, a very similar process. Oh my goodness. And I mean, it's just great to see, you know, that we can go there together. And, you know, I thought I'd spend my life in Africa and, and I think I really could have done that on mm-hmm. my own strength. Yes. Looking back, um, becoming a homeschooling mom to eight kids, um, I needed God's strength a lot yes. more here yes. and, and not so much my own strength. And, and the exciting thing is that now I finally get to go to Africa, not alone, but 10 strong. Mm-hmm. And I know that God has something for each of my kids to do there. And um, we're excited to see what that is and what that unfolds. And that, and that is uh, the beginning of how we came up with our blog, which is going to be the blog that we maintain while we're in Africa and when we return, which is tendakenya.com. And uh, yes, yes. I was just yes. blessed with uh, my father uh, had T-shirts made for all of uh, our family that say Tend to Kenya on the back. And uh, so we're excited that we're all getting to go together and it'll be a family, a family event, a family adventure, a family vision. Now, is that 10 spelled out or the number 10? It is 10. It's completely grammatically it. incorrect. Homeschooling <laughs> mom. So it's T-E-N and then the number 2. Okay. Kenya.com. Ten spelled out two the number two Kenya dot com. So exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll but at be least I know it's grammatically incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting watching the kids prepare. You know, they each have um, gone through different emotions as they look at it, and I'm sure those will just get stronger as we get closer. Mm. Sometimes they're excited about going. Um, one of our children is really afraid of the snakes, and um, Steve Warren was actually great at sitting and talking with him and finally figuring out what his hesitation was. And when he finally admitted it was the, state, the snakes, Steve said, "Buddy." I've been there for a really long time, and I've only seen two snakes. You're going to be in the city. <laughs> and um, he went, oh, okay. Yeah, and, um, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we know things will happen. And Eric and I even finally got to the point most recently where, where we had to agree that if we wound up crying over the thought of, of leaving a friendship or, or leaving something behind for that year, that it wasn't saying we didn't want to go. It didn't say 
that those tears didn't mean we weren't, you know, fully on board with what our vision was. It just meant we were acknowledging we were sacrificing some things here and that relationships were going to be different when we got back and things were going to be different. We were going to be different when we got back. Right. And, um, and so that it was okay to shed those tears and, and tears trust, are okay. trust that the yes, family vision yes. was still intact and we were all yes. on board. So. There is a, th- this is a process that, that God has us in, isn't it? He doesn't give us a, yes. a static situation. It's a dynamic mm-hmm. if we let him, if we let him do that. Flexibility is a key here, isn't it, Eric? It is, and it's, uh, it's just getting to that point. For, it, it was made more flexible um, as a homeschooling family uh, because I think in our minds it was easier to take our family and kind of move as a part of, as opposed to thinking that children were in all these different classrooms and, and leaving all these different schools. And, and Lisa has volunteered um, a ton and, and has been great with our homes. But, and so she did not have to leave a specific job. It was, it was finding a way for me to exit the work that I was doing and, um, and still have that go on and continue. And, um, and, and, and that was it. And, and really at the end of the day, like we shared earlier, it was listening to God. I mean, I could have probably done this three or four years ago, but I wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, could I have figured out a way, make the way to make this work three or four years ago? Probably, mm-hmm. but I wasn't listening. And, and so I think, um, you know, I, I share with, different people that I come in contact with that really sell out their life to ministry, whether it's in worship music or serving or, or, or just extreme volunteerism that give all the time. And, and a lot of those people don't like being thanked or they feel real funny about getting lots of thank yous because they don't want it to be about them. And, and so I try to be intentional in saying, thank you for listening to God and serving him because I think that's the most appropriate thing because I think God calls so many of us and and encourages us and pushes us to do different things, but we just don't listen. And so when people actually listen and respond, that is really exciting. And you just get to see God do amazing things in the lives of those people and in the lives of the people that they touch. Eric, let's talk. Uh, can you unpack this process of reintegration for us a little bit? Give us some some detail. Flesh that out for us a little bit. Well, the reintegration takes place, as we shared with these street children, that Agape goes out into the streets, literally, and finds children, um, mostly that are younger, out on the streets, that haven't been out on the streets for very long. And they'll try and uh, get them into the Agape facility where again we have the ability to house about 90 to 100 boys in dormitories there's uh medical needs there's discipleship there's spiritual growth there's all the food they need there's a school there but what's happening is that the reintegration team starts talking to the children finding out what the stories are sometimes the children have run away sometimes the children have been pushed out a little bit because Mm -hmm. finances are tight Mm -hmm. and they happen to be the oldest child and and remaining siblings still need to eat and they're 11 or 12 and might be able to fend for themselves. And so the reintegration team works with the child to find out what the real story is, what the truth is, takes the child back to the village, back to the home and works with the family to say, can this really be a a good place for the child again? Is there, is there um, forgiveness that's taking place that if the child needs to forgive, if the parents need to forgive, and bringing the whole family back together. And sometimes it isn't necessarily with the 
parents. It might be a close family relative, but they try and return the child to the home, to the village, because that's where the child can do his best, can succeed in the village, in that school, in that community. And with the the gospel sharing and, and the Sunday morning worship that takes place on the campus every week um, and the discipleship training, you know, our prayer is that those, those boys... Um, maybe giving their life to Christ while they're at Agape, maybe returning into their villages that don't have a lot of influence. And through them and through the reintegration staff that's praying with parents, praying with family members, making an impact to the community. And in many cases, after these children have been gone from homes for four, five, six months, maybe a year, the parents believe they're dead. They don't think the children are alive anymore. They don't have the systems in place that we're used to here. They can't just call the police and say, my child's missing, help me find them. And the child returns home and there's rejoicing and because they assume the child's been dead and they've, they've had a burial ceremony already. Wow. And, wow. and so these things happen and take place. And then the reintegration team follows up on a weekly and a biweekly and a monthly basis and over a period of time to make sure that the child still flourishes, is doing well in school, is contributing at home, the relationship is sound. And as Lisa shared, there's been 20 girls that have been reunified, reintegrated, over 267 boys have been reintegrated uh, back home as well. So God is doing amazing, amazing things. Eric and Lisa, I have to ask you, what about the issue of AIDS? Do you, you guys dealing with that while you're there in your area? What's what's going on with that? We have, we're new. Okay. Let's start there. So okay. we're really learning a lot. Okay. We've got a lot of swimming to do to catch up and learn. Um, it, 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 it affects some. We don't know to the degree that it affects how many, because again, we just don't have the mm-hmm. experience out there. Um, we've, we've got a little bit of, of knowledge in that, but probably not enough to speak on it. But it ends up being a lot of times for what I, I say, boys take off for silly reasons and um, and they think they're gonna get in big trouble. And, and it might be exciting to try and get to the city, but when they get to the city, they find they're living on the streets, digging in trash cans, mm-hmm. um, Going, having to stay with other boys just for protection, and there's nothing for them. I was just wondering when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you were talking about the boys returning home, were they returning home to parents maybe who had already died of the disease, or you know what circumstances? No, we were only like Eric said, we're really new, but we yeah. we were only in the country about twelve days, and uh-huh. so we don't have a ton to speak on. But that really wasn't something um, that, that we were, were hearing about, and okay. and most of the boys that we're working with are not orphans, so it's not an, an area where. There is a lot of AIDS orphans like you will hear in other areas of Africa. That wasn't something that was talked about a lot. But we did get to um, witness a really exciting kind of modern-day prodigal son story when we were there. When cool. we were on the Agape campus, there was this, um, you know, they're all darling since I thought I'd spend my life surrounded by little um, cute African kids. But there was this one special little guy who caught my eye when we were playing with the boys on campus one day. And he was attached to my side all day, and I was missing all these little boys I'd left at home. So we were buddying around and the next day I went to campus and I couldn't find them and, and, you know, but they kind of looked alike and I thought maybe I was just missing them. And finally the, the third day I said, where's that little Miss Gill? I can't, I can't find him again. I played with him all day Monday and, and asked around and the reintegration team had just recently picked him up off the streets. And, and so that second day had taken him back to the village to see if they could find what the situation was and why he left. And as they were walking up the path to his village, Miss Gill pointed out and said, that's my father. And his father was in a field with a machete cutting down weeds, mm. and he called out to his dad. Yeah. And his dad um, threw his machete to the ground and then fell to his knees with mm. his hands raised in the air. Yeah. 
and said, my son is alive. My son is alive. Praise God, my son is alive. And come to find out, Miss Gill had been given some money to run to the store and buy some food, and he had bought candy instead and then had been afraid to return home. And he had run to the city. And um, he'd been gone for about four weeks. They had searched for him and and not found him and presumed that he was no longer alive. Mm. And so just the work of these faithful men that work for Agape that were able to, um, you know, find Miskel on the streets and keep him safe until they could see where his home was and take him back was just a super Mm. exciting thing to see. And the staff did determine right then that was a good, safe home for him. The whole village was rejoicing that he was alive and they were able to stay there. And the team, you know, will keep visiting the kids as often as they need to. Some of the kids they visit every day to make sure they are staying home. What a great (laughs) story. Uh, It is, isn't it? And I think one of the most exciting things, though, about that reintegration team and Eric touched on it is that there's been now 10 cell churches Bible studies started in different villages because of the influence of the boys when they come back when the village wants to know why is this boy different and because of the influence that the uh, reintegration team themselves are having and so our staff members are traveling back into the villages and leading Bible studies there and one church has actually been planted in a village um, due to the work of the reintegration team being out there so that's what's most exciting to us you know we'd love Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. um, these boys just really discipled while they're on Agape's campus and be sent back to their villages as evangelists and little missionaries back to their villages. Mike, I think one of the things that really tugged on my heart um, relative to to these boys in particular, and and we're talking about sometimes boys that Agape's being able to to get off the streets that are 9, 10, 11 years old, and I have a 9-year-old, and I have an 11-year-old, and I can't imagine them, no shoes, they might live in the same pants and shirt they have for an entire year because that's what they have is just that one pair of pants and shirt trying to survive, begging, digging through trash cans. Um, just the uh, amazing um, amazing nature that how heartbreaking it is was for me to go and see that and realize this is something these are these are boys that God still loves, mm-hmm. and these are boys that God still cares for. And to have people here in the U.S. who at different times have said, why do you have to go overseas? There are plenty of children here. There are plenty of families here in need, and, and you guys know that firsthand, mm-hmm. and it's true. And, and, the, and the only real difference I can see is that um, – in the United States, uh, those who have very little still have something. And and through wonderful organizations like AVC and many other groups, there are various safety nets that are available and people can call and ask for help. Well, when your child who is nine years old has run away, there is, there is no one to call for help um, in Kenya and in many of these countries around the world. And so... Being able to go serve in a place where there are no safety nets. There, when you are out of uh, money, you're out of money. When you're out of food, you're out of food. And there is no one else to call except maybe a family member that might give you a tiny little bit of what they have when these children and families are eating one meal a day, and that's the best they can do. We, it's so exciting to think we can go and be a part of what God's already doing there and share and help and love on these kids and, and maybe change something that's really going to point them, point them to God and, and perhaps even like Lisa shared, help change a village. Is there anything that you're doing education-wise, research-wise to prepare for this trip? I know you're praying it up. <laughs> I'm sure Absolutely. of that. But is there anything else that, that you have to do to to get yourself prepared to go? You know, missions has been a passion of mine forever. And so mm-hmm. reading missionary biographies to my kids was about as close as I thought I was going to get um, for 
someone who thought I'd spend my life on the mission field and, and then married a man who didn't want to. Um, and then <laughs> God watched, has a sense of humor, doesn't, doesn't he? he? Yes. And watch baby after baby join our family. You know, it wasn't looking real realistic that I was going to become the next Helen Roosevelt to Africa um, or any of my missionary heroes. So we've read a ton of missionary biographies and, and Stephen can attest to the number of stories he's had to listen to. But, um, you know, I think, I think through that, our kids have a good grasp of what God is doing in a lot of different, different places. And that's just become a norm in their life to hear about what God is doing. Our, our living room is full of clocks that used to be set to countries all over the world where we knew missionaries, but the boys stole all the batteries out for the Wii remotes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Stephen, not that you. Was, I not knew. Oh, no, of course not. So none of the clocks actually worked anymore, <laughs> but they're still labeled with cities all around the world where we have missionaries and, and their photos up and we pray for them and we sponsor compassion kids all over the world and, and different things. So, so really I did my best to try and bring um, missions home to our kids. Um, but most, most practically right now we are reading a book about a man who went to Kenya and, um, and it's a journal of his transition there. And that's been a great tool to just read what he's doing day by day as he prepared to take his family there and great discussions that that's leading. So, so really just keep talking to our kids. And I think the one last thing I'd really like to say, Mike, is just that, that we're just normal. You know, I mean, I think I don't want anyone to hear, you know, oh, this family does a carnival and this family's moving their, their life, their whole family to Kenya. You know, there's nothing special about our family. You know, we're sinners saved by grace. Amen. And, you know, today was a hard day in the Kelgard family, you know, and and just to be realistic about who we are, we're all Mm. tired. Mm. I've been working really hard for um, restructuring the Agape sponsorship program the last couple of weeks, which meant 6 a.m. days at the office and coming home and planning this carnival. And and mom's tired and mom's grumpy. Yep. Lisa. <laughs> and, and when mom ain't happy, nobody's happy, right? Yeah, nobody. Isn't that true? But I just yes. don't want to paint, you know, yes. some picture perfect um, image there. So, so you know, we're just we're just trying to be obedient and just really, really relying on God. And and God, not everybody's going to be called to go to Africa, but everybody's called to obey Amen. what God has put on yes. their heart. Yes. Eric, yes. we have about sixty seconds. Yes. How can our people pray for you and your family over the next uh, year and a half or so? Well, I, I asked for lots of wisdom um, for Lisa and I. You know, there are so many things that you think of when you're going to a completely different culture because what we want to share is we want to share the simple gospel. We want to share that simple truth that we're just supposed to love our neighbor. We need to cut out mm. all of the cultural, the U.S. American cultural aspects of Christianity. We need to cut out those things that we personally think are better this way than that way. Um, and really get back to, to, to simple gospel mm-hmm. messages and the simple truth of what Christ has shared for us. Please pray for our family, um, for, the, for the kids, for safety, um, and uh, that we would just have an impact in the short amount of time we're there for God's glory. Lisa, how can we personally pray for you? Oh, I think just that that my children would never doubt that I adore them more than all those little African kids. I've been waiting to get there to serve. Um, and just that we would um, really pass on um, God's heart to our kids. That would be the purpose of our kids. Stephen, how about you? How can your peers pray for you? Uh, patience. Patience. That's a big one, especially traveling there. It's, uh, on the way there, there's a lot of uh, long plane rides. Yeah. On the way there, there's a, Amen. a while. And then even preparation to the plane rides can be a while. And uh, patience. Thank you, Eric, Lisa, Stephen. God bless you. And God bless you, dear friends, for listening tonight. And join us again next time here on Lighthouse Live.